and mm-hmm. I took, in fact, I think it was McGuire's regiment uh, that Wensloff gave to me, and I took it to a, a veterinarian, and the veterinarian looked at it, and he said, this is unbelievable. And I said, what do you mean? And he says, the amount of steroids that are being taken by whoever this is, he said, is more than we would give to a, to a racehorse, and horses weigh 1,500 pounds. What's up, everybody? This is the Welcome to the Show podcast brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash welcome to the show to get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook download. That's audibletrial.com forward slash welcome to the show. Have you reviewed our podcast yet? Please take two minutes to rate and review the Welcome to the Show podcast wherever you listen. It helps to find our show. On today's episode, we speak to retired FBI agent of 31 years, Gregory Stashkul. Greg was the head of an operation, an undercover operation that the FBI, FBI took on in the late 1980s into the illegal use and sale of steroids. Um, in this operation, some very interesting things were uncovered. A couple of Major League Baseball players were named in the, in the probe. Major League Baseball was informed. And as we know, nothing happened. And and as, as you also know, we saw what, what took place uh, with the steroid era in baseball, which could have been prevented had Greg's warning been heeded. Uh, but without giving too much more away, let's take a listen at Gregory Stashko. So I was reading through Tickle the Wire. And did you were you did you uncover the Robert Kraft controversy? No, no. Okay. The uh, uh, we had a we had a similar case here uh, in Michigan, and actually it was there was a nationwide initiative that our case became part of. But uh, we, we shut down a bunch of spas mm. and uh, here Asian spas and. The whole purpose of that column was basically, you know, uh, I'm not sure why everybody's surprised that Asian mm-hmm. spas are fronts for uh, brothels because we've known that for years. And, uh, you know, and and my other criticism was the way they approached it, you know, mm-hmm. and it's similar to, to my criticism of the way uh, some of the later cases approach steroids going after Barry Bonds and stuff. Not that Barry, I mean, Barry Bonds should have been exposed, mm-hmm. but to make him a criminal subject, he's nothing more than a user, just like right. A-Rod or any of these other guys. And and yeah. in my case, it was McGuire and Canseco. Right. We didn't go after users. We went after the dealers. So right. that's that was the whole point of that. But anyway, mm-hmm. go ahead. So what was your what's your take on how this uh, that operation just to stick with the Asian spot thing real quick uh, I'm curious sure. of your of your opinion what's your take on how the the operation was I guess you can call it an operation was handled in terms of of outing people like Robert Kraft and when there's so many other names that are out there who are apparently also millionaires and billionaires um, but it almost felt like he was singled out. Not not that I feel sorry for the guy, but um, what's your take <laughs> well, on that? My take is, and, and again, it, it goes back to if if you want to address the problem, 
you go after the traffickers, the uh, the dealers, and in this case, the owners and purveyors of of the uh, uh, the brothels. And in our case, what we did, and I told when the Ann Arbor police came to me with their case, I told them, I said, we can do a long-term investigation. I said, if you want to just set shut these places down, go ahead and do it. But, you know, we're not going to be involved on a federal level. What I want to do and what you guys should want to do is we go after these owners and end up forfeiting assets, shutting these places down and prosecuting the owners for, you know, for running these places. And they do, they go to great lengths to to distance themselves. They'll have the women sign independent contractor contracts and claim mm. they have no knowledge of what's going on and all that kind of stuff. So that's what we did. And we didn't prosecute any Johns and we didn't prosecute any of the women. We didn't even take the, we didn't arrest the women. We didn't do any of that. We offered them social services and stuff. Mm. But what we did do is arrest and prosecute the owners and all of them we prosecuted successfully. Not only that, we ended up, uh, well, just in Ann Arbor, we seized about $2 million worth of assets, most of wow. which went to the, Ann Arbor, the, the city of Ann Arbor. So that's the way you shut down spas. To this day, there are no Asian spas in the city of Ann Arbor. So, wow. Uh, wow. And that was uh, – that case uh, went down in about 2000. So we're talking about you know almost 20 years and okay. still no Asian spas. Now, we got them in other counties and stuff, but we don't have mm. them here. So. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, so okay, so, so and, and again, the the thing with with Kraft, and I, I I I'm reticent to criticize their case, not knowing more about it, but it looks to me like they're prosecuting the Johns and uh, you know trying to get publicity by you know basically showing uh, videos, and, and you know that's not the way you do the case uh, if you want to get the owners and stuff. Now maybe they've got evidence on the owners, but. Uh, my guess is they don't. They just have videos and stuff. So yeah. How much do you think? That's how, how much do you think ahead. this? Not to get political. Um, we're not really a political podcast. Um, but how much do you think the Asian that Asian spa uh, specifically uh, the owner's connection to Trump has something to do with that? That there, it almost seems mean, like she. Yeah. You mean Kraft's connection to Trump? Kraft's connection to Trump, and also the the spot owner apparently has some sort of yeah. connection to Trump the woman, as well. Well, she yeah, she apparently was. Uh, um, you know, I suspect. I I don't know. I really can't say because I would just be speculating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't think, at least in Kraft's case, that there that there was anything. And I'm not even sure they knew this woman supposedly sold the spas. Although I'm a little skeptical of that. I suspect maybe she's got a hidden interest. But uh, but again, I'm just speculating. So, mm. but I would just say off. You know, based. You know, I doubt that that. For example, Kraft was was targeted because he's a friend of Trump's. He was targeted mm. because he's a known person, and they okay. knew they could get a lot of publicity. And quite frankly, you know, prosecutors are political animals. Most mm -hmm. of them are either elected or appointed, and uh, you know they have an interest in getting as much publicity as they can. And the mm. same was true with going after Barry Bonds. You know, the Northern District of California, when we had equine and we took down Wensloff, Kurt Wensloff, who was Conseco and McGuire's dealer. When we took him down, 
the Northern District of, of California had no interest in pursuing a steroid case hmm. when we did that. Later, uh, you know, they went after Barry Bonds and stuff. And, of course, you know, it was a mess. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Bonds, you know, got a slap on the wrist. And, and again, he was just he was just a user, The uh, hmm. what they should have been doing. But they wanted the publicity. And, uh, you know, we could have done the same thing. We could have, you know trumpeted the fact that oh yeah well this guy's the dealer for conseco and mcguire and stuff and of course that stuff came out later but not at the time when we were prosecuting the cases we if we had put that out i'm sure we would have gotten a lot more publicity for the case but that's Hmm. not what we were trying to do yeah so So, craig why why do you think they weren't interesting interested in pursuing any kind of like uh prosecution on mcguire's we had we had the we had the problem at that time we had the same problem all the way through uh, even though um, it had been made um, steroids had been made a schedule three drug and that uh, uh, trafficking was a uh, was a felony um, the even the Department of Justice uh, we were reluctant to pursue the case and. Uh, we, I had a hard time getting the bureau headquarters to pursue the case. We ended up pursuing the case not as a, uh, not as a drug case, but as a fraud against the government case. Because, mm. because steroids were available as a prescription drug, my argument was after I couldn't get the drug, drug people to be interested in it, I got the fraud against the government unit interested because we said they were circumventing the prescription system, and that's so we opened it under a. a uh, fraud against the government classification, not as a drug case, even though we prosecuted it as a drug case. So, and wow. then when we got a, then we when we wanted a wiretap on one of our dealers, a guy, ironically named Joe DiMaggio, wow. he was a big dealer here. And uh, when we uh, went to get a wiretap on the case, Department of Justice came back and said, "Well, we're not sure we want to do a wiretap on a steroid case." And the, fortunately, the U.S. attorney, my assistant U.S. attorney that was working with me, said, "That's not your call. Either we've got the probable cause to do it or not. It's not for you to decide what cases we're going to." So we got authorization for it, and it turned out really well because we seized a ton of steroids from this guy and a bunch of other stuff. But at any rate, um, that's the kind of thing that we were dealing with early on in this case. We couldn't get anybody interested. Wow. Okay, so let, let me um, let me just rewind a little bit so that our audience knows uh, what exactly we're talking about. So we're, we're speaking with Greg Gregory Stasekel. Um, did I say it right that time? <laughs> you said Stasekel right, but you can just go with Greg. So. Oh, Greg, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so he served as an FBI agent for 31 years and, and is currently retired. Um, on TickleTheWire.com, where you can find some of his his columns, um, it says that he's a resident agent in charge of the Ann Arbor office. Um, we're going to get back to Operation Equine real quick, but I just wanted to ask you, what exactly is a resident agent? What does that mean? Well, um, in the Bureau, you've got, uh, you've got uh, field offices like Detroit, New York, Chicago, or whatever. Detroit covers, the, the Detroit field office covers Michigan. And, um, and then they have satellite offices, branch offices. Mm-hmm. And in Michigan's case, we've got a branch office in Ann Arbor. There's another one in Lansing. 
uh, Traverse City. Uh, so, uh, a, a re- and we refer to those satellite or branch offices as resident agencies. And uh, so that's uh, Ann Arbor was a resident agency of the Detroit office. Hmm. Okay, and, so that's, and so that's what it means. Okay, gotcha. And then so what we were discussing previously before I interrupted with that question was Operation Equine, which to my understanding you proposed this to to the FBI and and what you know what inspired what inspired it? Why you know why did you want to <laughs> conduct this this well, inspiration? Whole- this sure, not inspiration. Whole, this this operation. Sorry, <laughs> that's all right. Um, so I'm I'm in the Ann Arbor resident office, which actually covers five counties, not just Ann Arbor. But uh, one of my jobs was I had liaison with the athletic department at the University of Michigan, and um, and early on in my career in 1982, uh, Bo Schembechler, the coach, the football coach at the University of Michigan contacted the FBI and wanted to have some agents come and speak to his teams about issues. And at that time, one of the primary issues was um, sports, sports gambling, illegal mm-hmm. sports gambling. And so I went over in 1982 and, and started talking to the team, and that continued every year thereafter for 30-some years. But um, uh, in 19... 19- I think it was 1988, and I believe it was late in 1988, that uh, Bo Schembechler called me. Uh, we had, you know, become, I guess, friends. And uh, Bo called me and said, hey, I, I've got something I need to talk to you about. And if you could come over. And I said, sure. And I came over and he said, uh, and, I, and, and when I met with him in his office, Mike Gittleson, who was his strength coach, strength and conditioning coach, was also there. And um, Bo asked me, he said, hey, what uh, – the steroids are a federal felony. He knew that, and the trafficking of steroids. And he said, "Uh, what's being done about that? And I said, "Uh, Bo, I don't know, but I'll try and find out. And so I learned that it was – that it was a, a course of felony, but also learned that nothing was being done. DEA wasn't doing anything. The Bureau wasn't doing anything. So uh, I got back with Bo, and he said, well, uh, you know, we have information that a lot of college uh, football players are doing steroids. And he says it's become pretty pervasive. And the example he gave, he said, we had information that a number of the teams that we play, a lot of guys are doing steroids. And he also said, you know, when we do our summer camps, when we've got high school athletes in here, we have high school football players asking us, uh, when they should start doing steroids, not whether they should start doing them, but when they should start doing them. In other words, they just considered a foregone conclusion that they need to do steroids. And both said, this is you know, getting to be scary. And uh, I agreed with him. So I went back and uh, did a little research and proposed an undercover operation, a, a sort of a limited undercover operation, uh, to go after steroid dealing in in our area in Michigan, and uh, <clears throat> I got a little bit of pushback from the bureau, and they they said, well, you can do what we called a uh, a class one uh, uh, steroid uh, investigation, uh, but 
you know, that only lasts for six months and you got limited resources and everything. Mm. So I said, well, all right, if that's what I got. So I, I recruited an undercover agent. We started doing some stuff and it went pretty slow, but we started getting some leads and things. But by the time we were really starting to make a little bit of progress, it was coming up on that six month thing. And, you know, we were basically thinking, well, we're just going to have to shut this down. We've we've identified a few small dealers, but that was about it. And then I got a call from headquarters, and they said, uh, "You know, when are you putting in for an extension on this uh, uh, undercover operation uh, on your Group One?" And I said, "You know, you told me not to put in for an extension." They said, "Well, not only do we want you to put in for an extension, we want you to raise it up to a." To a, to a group one as opposed to a group two is what, what we had, and we want you to, uh, uh, you know, which meant we had unlimited time and, and a lot more assets, uh, resources at our disposal. So we went ahead and put in for it. And apparently the reason for that was the White House had made an inquiry of the Bureau and DEA and wanted to know what we were doing about steroids. That was George H.W. Bush was in the yeah. White House at that time. And... Uh, uh, the only the only active steroid case in the entire United States was ours. So they hmm. told me to put together a, a Group One proposal, and I did. And uh, you know, the rest, I guess, is history. We we codenamed the case Equine because a lot of the steroids that were being used at that time were veterinary drugs meant for horses, and wow. uh, and that's uh, that's how it got started. And it, from there, it took off, and we ended up. Uh, you know, prosecuting 70-some dealers and uh, worked with, the, uh, did a lot of stuff in Canada and a little bit in Mexico and all over the United States. So, so that's I, how it all started. I, the, way um, I'm, the way I'm picturing this, I don't know, I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever watched this movie. Um, have you ever seen the recent uh, version of 21 Jump Street? <laughs> yeah. I, I love uh, that movie. <laughs> so it's it's a... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I saw. I mean, I saw the trailers and stuff, but I never actually saw the movie. No. So it's a it's a com. I know that this isn't funny. It's not a funny topic, but it's a comedy about <laughs> two undercover cops who go into high school to try to. I think it's to 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 thwart it's drug a, use it, or something. It's, a, it's it a new it's a new drug that's on the streets, and they have to go to high school to find it or something. All right. So yeah. th- I, is this I, is this what we're looking at here? Yeah. Is this what we're looking at here with your undercover agent that you recruited? Is you know, I'm just trying to paint a picture for the audience. I don't want to make it a joke. Well, it's just <laughs> sure. No, I understand, and and you know, <laughs> believe me, we had our share of laughs and stuff during this thing. But uh, <laughs> the uh, the guy I recruited was a guy I knew. For, we were both on the SWAT team together, and this was a guy that knew his way around a gym and mm. did some weightlifting. In fact, I recruited two guys, but one of them became the main undercover agent. The other guy was sort of his backup, but. Uh, these were guys that I knew could pull this off, but they were also older, and of course we didn't want them to really use steroids. So mm-hmm. their their undercover story was that they were from Chicago. Both of them were from Chicago originally, so they they could do that. And uh, they basically would tell the guys that they were uh, doing surveys and stuff, retail surveys and stuff. So they traveled a lot. That way, they could go to a lot of different gyms, and nobody expected them to be you know, going to one gym all the time. And, uh, and they said, you know, we're, we're starting up a gym back in Chicago and, uh, I want to be able to have access to steroids for some of the guys, some of our customers. And mm-hmm. so that was their, uh, that was their line. And it, 
uh, it worked out pretty well. So, Greg, this is more like a curious personal question, but you're 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 undercover. Is that something that you kind of work at your own slow pace, or do you kind of force things to try to happen? Like, I'm I'm just seen a lot of you know I've seen a lot of movies of cops undercover. I'm just curious what that's really like. Well, you know, a lot of it's a judgment call, and it takes a certain amount of uh, uh, the guys that do it. They have to have a certain amount of chutzpah and the ability to to play act and get into a role. And a lot of it is, you know, they have to determine based on who they're talking to and stuff uh, how to play it. In other words, some guys, you know, you you can push them a little bit. Other guys, you just have to take your time and develop a trust and stuff. And, you, you know, you basically, uh, in fact, my undercover guy was a name, guy by the name of Bill Randall. And uh, and that's out there. Discovery Channel did a story about our case. But okay. uh, he uh, he was the undercover, uh, the main undercover guy. And he, he basically would say, yeah, you know, I, I'm a bit of a con man. And that's what you have to be in order to be a successful undercover guy, because you have to con the bad guys. So, yeah, that's wow. uh, and that's uh, and he was very good at it, and uh, you know, so it, it worked out well. That is interesting. Um, so, to, to my understanding, steroid the sale and use of steroids didn't that become a felony at some point in the eighties? Uh, yeah, and I believe that was a right of the late eighties as well. And uh, Bo told me at the time, and I, I never really checked this out, but I'm assuming. It, right uh, and i think he told me this anyway that he actually testified in front of congress regarding making steroids a felony wow. um, but that was in uh, i believe that statute was passed in 88 or 89 i can't remember mm-hmm. for sure when which would have been about the same time that you know i had that meeting with bo so 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 could that be why at the time it seemed like it wasn't like people weren't making a big deal out of it in terms of um, in terms of not wanting to prosecute steroid users or, or sellers or, um, or well, was it just that, a... that, that, that is part of it because, mm. you know, uh, but you have to remember too, uh, DEA and the Bureau to the extent that we work drugs. I mean, DEA, that's what they do. And, and in the Bureau we did it, but we only did it at, at the upper echelons, but, both of them, you know, they were working uh, heroin and cocaine cases, and they just didn't view steroids as being a significant problem. Mm. Uh, not the way that cocaine and heroin were. So, right. and 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 it was primarily cocaine at that time. There was some heroin, but it was more cocaine than heroin. But at any rate, that's that's what uh, that's what they were that's what they were targeting, and uh, you know, to them steroids was kind of a, a foreign thing. Um, and they just, you know, rather I would try to educate them, but it didn't make much difference. They, they had these, uh, you know, they were focused on that and, mm-hmm. and, you know, you only have a limited amount of resources, so you do what you can do. And even with our case, you know, we, we never really had the kind of resources that you have in some cases. I mean, mm-hmm. I was a case agent and I was doing all kinds of stuff, I had one undercover guy. A lot of times we'd have to beg for surveillance on some of our stuff. So, <laughs> it, and like I say, we had to we had to push hard to get that Title Three on the one dealer. 
the Title III being a, a wiretap on his on his phone and everything, we had to push hard to get for that get that because the bureau just said, you know, we're not sure we want to do that, and Department so, of Justice said the same thing. So, so when, when you get this when you get this uh, level three wiretap, I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, but uh, at this point, was this already <laughs> was this already getting to the point that it it had reached like the Major League Baseball? Uh, part of it, or were you still working the smaller yeah, high school well, case? Keep in, keep in mind, equine, equine was an undercover operation. Within equine, within this operation, there were numerous subjects who were dealers, um, but they weren't necessarily related. Some of them were like, in DiMaggio's case, he had a number of, of sub-dealers, and that was one group. The guy that was the Major League Baseball uh, connection was a guy by the name of Kurt Wensloff, who had ties to Michigan but was living in Oakland, California. And Wensloff had uh, become acquainted with Conseco and then subsequently with McGuire. And he was supplying uh, Conseco and McGuire with their steroids when they were both playing for the Oakland A's. Hmm. And that was that was the Major League Baseball connection. Our guys back in Michigan, we had a couple dealers that, one guy in particular who was supplying uh, Michigan State University athletes and some other guys. Um, and, you know, we had dealers, some of them which were primarily just uh, supplying guys that were in bodybuilding and stuff like that. A few guys that were getting involved in um, professional wrestling. Uh, but, you know, it kind of ran the gamut. But as far as the Major League Baseball connection, it was primarily Kurt Wensloff out in Northern California. And were were Conseco and McGuire aware that, that the FBI was aware that they were abusing steroids? Not till later. Not, Not until later. later. Yeah, and one of the reasons, um, and and again, I, I may be speculating here a little bit, but the timing is such that it would appear to be the case. Uh, I, you know, obviously McGuire denied it for a long period of time or, or refused mm-hmm. to even respond. And then when he uh, uh, he was being considered to be a, a batting coach for the um, St. Louis Card- Cardinals, yeah, yeah. and uh, he was, uh, I can't remember what he was doing at the time, but, you know, um, he had appeared before Congress, but never really answered the questions and stuff. And I had retired from the Bureau, but I was approached by a couple journalists and said, hey, how do you feel about McGuire becoming the batting coach for the Cardinals? And I said, well, you know, he was a steroid abuser. And I said, you know, and he's never admitted it and never had uh, appeared to have any contrition for what he did or anything like that. So I said, I guess I'm, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like he's the guy that should be uh, coaching these guys when, when he was a user of steroids and never really admitted it or took responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. Right after that, he came out and admitted that he was using steroids. And uh, I remember that, you know. Yeah, and that's when he admitted he was using them when he broke Maris's record, and uh, and supposedly, uh, and I, I presume it's true that he apologized to the Maris family. But then he then he would make comments like, "Yeah, well, I took steroids, but they really didn't help me." And I'm kind of thinking, "All right, then why did yeah. you apologize to Maris's family if you yeah. didn't think they really I re- helped you?" I remember so. he said that about the uh, his rookie season where he hit like 50, I think, or something. Right? It was uh-huh. like. He had a, he had like the rookie record for most until Iron Judge broke it the other year, but yeah, I remember I do remember him saying that that was all him at the time. Yeah, 
Yeah, wow. Yeah. And, you know, all you have to do is look at pictures of, of guys yeah. like uh, yeah. like McGuire, and it doesn't, you know. I don't know if you've seen uh, uh, Billy Corbin's latest movie, Screwball. Have you heard of it or seen it yet? I've heard of it. I haven't actually seen it. That's the one about the uh, the, uh, the biogenesis. The biogenesis. Right? So he yeah. he delves into steroid abuse in baseball briefly in it, and there's one particular scene where he transforms Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco from their body build when they first broke into the league and up to the point where I guess Mark McGuire was 1998 and Jose Canseco was, I guess, like an 88 or something, where he kind of looked like the Incredible Hulk. And you see, like, the clear difference in their body, their their heads, yeah, like, yeah. everything is completely yeah. different. Um, but my next question for you was, so when – so since we're sticking with this, I, I do have a follow-up. But when were they uh, – when did McGuire and, and Canseco, to your knowledge, become aware that they that they were the subject of, a, of an FBI investigation? Not the subject, but that they were, inv- you know, they were, you know, part of it, I guess. Well, you know, Canseco uh, had come out and, uh, you know, wrote that book, that tell-all book, and, and started outing, you know, a number of people, some of which, you know, I, I, he may have been speculating. But about that time, um, you know, there were congressional hearings and stuff, and it was 2005, um, and there was a hearing in front of uh, Biden, Joe Biden and uh, Grassley, uh, the senator out of Iowa. And they did a hearing on steroids. And uh, one of the staff people contacted me and arranged. He wanted to know if we could get Kurt Winsloff to testify in front of the, the congressional hearing. And I said, well, I, I'll ask him and see. So I talked to Kurt. and We were on good terms because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I... Uh, you know, he trusted me and everything, even though we prosecuted him. But um, he agreed to do it, so he testified in front of the uh, in front of the uh, uh, Senate hearing. Mm-hmm. And um, after that, he was interviewed by Christian Red from the Daily, the Daily News. Daily News. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wensloff you know, told him that he had been prosecuted by the FBI and everything. And uh, they said, well, you know, you just told this congressional hearing about supplying, you know, Major League Baseball players. Did the FBI ever advise Major League Baseball? And Wensloff says, well, yeah, I think they did, but I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they contacted my U.S. attorney here and that worked the case with us, and he referred them to me. And uh, so I get a call from... Uh, from uh, uh, Christian Red and a couple of the other guys who were working on uh, New York Daily News on their sports investigative team. And uh, they asked me about it. They said, did you ever tell Major League Baseball? Well, when you're con- contacted by the media, sometimes you're supposed to, to say no comment. But in this case, they were referred to me by the U.S. attorney. So I just said, yeah. We, mm-hmm. we told Major League Baseball, and uh, they asked me who, and I, you know, I told them that uh, who I had contacted in their security office and stuff. And uh, so uh, um, they uh, uh, they said, "Well, what did Major League Baseball tell you?" And I said, "Well, they told me that they were aware of some of the stuff, but that there wasn't much they could do about it, and the players wouldn't let them test at that time." and they were, that was in uh, summer of '94 when they told told Major League Baseball, and, and uh, I said, you know, they uh, 
they were in the midst of a strike and everything. So, wow. uh, but to the best of my knowledge, nothing nothing happened from it. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I I want so I want to continue I want to continue on with this because this is where for me things things are the 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 alarm should be going off and and people should start to to realize that baseball knew what was happening prior to all these home run records being broken but be- before um before we get to that I just want to point out according to your piece on ticklethewire.com uh Curtis Wensloff was uh, was it 1992 that he that, that you guys uh, tried to have him prosecuted? Well, we did. We prosecuted him okay. federally. In but 19- he also he he also was cooperative. So you know he got a he got a uh, he was able to cut a deal and stuff. So okay. So uh, so but yeah, w- we did prosecute him. I know that this is speculation, but would you assume that he would have informed these these players? You know. Or, or they might have taken notice that, hey, this guy's, you know, he's busted. You know, we're caught. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, uh, that I really don't know the answer. Uh, yeah. I don't know whether, you know, uh, how much they were aware of it or how much they were following it. You know, it got yeah. uh, equine got a little bit of national publicity, but I'm not sure how many people were following the story or knew. Yeah. And like I said, we, we took down, it was actually done in two phases. And the first one got a lot of publicity. The second one, not so much, but, wow. uh, and I think Winslow was, was prosecuted in the first group. But, uh, the point is, unless you were reading closely and stuff, you probably wouldn't have even known right. um, who the subjects in the case were at right. that time. It wasn't until later, like I say, with the, the hearing in front of the Senate uh, subcommittee, uh, that I think media became aware of the case and and uh, the fact that that Winslow had been supplying Major League Baseball players. Wow. I was going to ask that in your you know in, in 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 all the evidence that you collected, all the all the different dealers that you that you came to know, uh, did this ever branch out into other lanes? that were in Major League Baseball, like other sports or, or anything? Well, other uh, professional sports? Other, well, uh, I couldn't say that we actually identified any other uh, specific players. I mean, we were aware, obviously. And, and Wensloff was aware that other, other players were using his stuff. In fact, he told us that, you know, Conseco was, was purchasing steroids and you know, he was purchasing at levels that were far beyond uh, what you would ordinarily, uh, uh, you know, what one person could use. So Canseco himself was probably supplying other players. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I doubt that he was doing it for profit. It was more, you know, hey, I got a, I got a source. I can, I can get you this stuff. So yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, that's that, I mean that's kind of what it sounded like in his book Juiced. It sounded like he was like the go-to guy in baseball. Like, hey, this is what I'm doing, guys. Um, well, yeah, he was, you know, he was uh I think ahead of the curve in the sense that, you know, he was doing it early on and and yeah. knew there were probably a few others that were as well. And of course, McGuire was got in I think because of Conseco or yeah. uh and uh but at any rate, uh you know that was early in the in the thing, and then it just kind of went from there. Yeah, and so you informed Major League Baseball around 1994, and August August of 94. And the reason I know that is because uh, 
I told you I used to make the presentations to the football team here, and I made them to other teams and other sports, you know, um, professional sports and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were back for uh, what we call an in-service for, for training back at Quantico. And um, uh, I'm blanking on a name here, Hallahan, uh, but I can't yeah. remember his first name. Kevin he was Hallinan. head of security at the – yeah, Kevin Hallinan. He was back uh, representing Major League Baseball, and there were people from uh, NBA, NHL, uh, NFL, and some NCAA people. Anyway, we're having this big sort of a seminar kind of thing. And uh, I was up in the what they call the boardroom, which is just uh, you know kind of a bar at Quantico, and a bunch of us were sitting at a table, and I got in a conversation with Helen, and that's when I was telling him about the steroid stuff. And I had written an article for the uh, Law Enforcement Bulletin, which is the FBI magazine, and I had mm-hmm. written this big article about steroids, and I I showed it to the guys at the seminar. And so we got into this conversation about steroids, and that's when I told him about it, what what we knew. So yeah, and that's so when, it, when I first gave him, you know, first gave him the heads up. Yeah. So when was Operation Equine uh, concluded officially? Well, um, I think we pretty much finished prosecuting all the cases in '95. Okay. Uh, you know, so it was uh, it, the the undercover portion of the case was pretty much shut down. Uh, I believe sometime in '93. I believe towards the end of '93 was the last undercover stuff we did, okay. and then we prosecuted a lot of the cases. And we only, I think, we only went to trial in one case, and that was in Canada. So. Hmm. Uh, the rest and of so, them all pled guilty. So yeah, and so from ninety three, say ninety three to ninety five in that area, you start to see in nineteen ninety eight, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa start crushing home runs in, in unprecedented levels. And it just so happens to be Mark McGuire, one of the guys that you uncovered, um, was using steroids uh, back in the eighties. Um, they hit sixty or more home runs. I think McGuire did it again the next year. Sammy did it two more times after that. Um, what's going on through your mind? Like, th- did you feel like, like saying something or, or were you not allowed to, you know? Well, there was, I, I certainly couldn't go to the media and just say, Hey, geez, I think some of these guys are doing steroids. You is, know, that cause, is that because it was sealed? It, was, was it not able no, to come out? It's because the only, the only two that we, the, that we knew for sure were doing steroids. I mean, we suspected, obviously, a bunch of them did, but yeah. uh, the only two that we, Seiko and McGuire, because, mm-hmm. you know, we had arrested their dealer. But, uh, so, other than telling Major League Baseball about McGuire and Conseco, we couldn't specifically identify any athletes, and I certain, certainly couldn't go to the media and even talk about Conseco and McGuire. Uh, you know, you just in the in the FBI, you can't do that. As a private citizen, I suppose you could go do it, but I I couldn't do it in the bureau because uh, you know uh, that would be uh, well, you just can't do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can prove a case in court, but you don't go to the media and tell people, "Hey, I I know these guys are doing steroids." Yeah, of I know course. These guys mm-hmm. are robbing banks if you don't prosecute them. So could yeah. could any could anybody have? Say I was a journalist at the time. I was in eighth grade. Um, could could I have, you know, found this information somewhere? 
with names and, and all that stuff? Um, uh, no. No, okay. No, because none of that would have been public information until Wensloff testified in front of uh, that congressional hearing. And that that was in uh, 2004, you said, or 2005? 2005. 2005. I think it was su- I think it was summer of 2005. Okay, Craig, actually, and there's there's some stories oh, in the Daily News about the about the congressional hearing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I feel like we should have asked this question in the beginning, but are are you yourself a fan of baseball or or not? Well, I'm more of a I'm more of a football fan. Okay. Um. Do you? I mean, we see we see guys in football get busted sometimes. Do you, do you have any opinion on that, or does it does it bother you that pro athletes are still to this day probably using anything? Oh yeah, it bothers me. Yeah, it bothers me too, kind of. But I don't know. I don't know what to believe anymore. I feel like it's everywhere, and and if this is what it is, maybe we should just accept it. I, I know that's the wrong way of, of thinking about it, but I just don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so you know and again you know I mean I think anymore it's most people that know anything about it uh they you know they you can tell who's doing them and who isn't. Yeah. And yeah. uh but you know, again, that's not proof. I mean, not certainly not proof enough that you can do say anything about it, um, and unless somebody tests positive or something like that. So, mm-hmm. so I, I know we're flip flopping, flip flopping back and forth a lot, but I just wanted to to clarify one thing. So, you informed Kevin Hallinan, who at the time was the head of, of security for Major League Baseball. He then went on to right. become. I believe the head of the Department of Investigations after uh, after the Mitchell report. Um, right. Would you happen to know if Kevin Hallinan would he have kept that to himself, or would he have informed? I guess at the time it was Bud Selig, what was the commissioner of baseball, uh, or maybe it wasn't. Maybe maybe that was before Selig, the Selig guy. No, but, it was it was it was Bud Selig, and okay, uh, and you know when when the when the fecal matter hit the. Uh, uh, oscillating machine. The oscillator. <laughs> uh, yeah, when you know when when this whole thing came down, in when I was contacted by the Daily News in 2005, um, I, you know, Hallinan initially denied it all. Said I don't even know that guy, which you know wasn't true because I had had more than one contact with Hallinan. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that. Um, and then, and Selig claimed that, you know, they didn't know anything about it and they were, they were more interested, I guess, in covering their ass than anything else. Um, but, uh, um, then, uh, you know, they, they took the position that, well, you know, we, we never knew anything about it. And this is all news to us and everything. So hmm. I can't remember exactly what you asked me, but. Oh, I, I had asked you. Could you could you speculate? I guess if 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 Selig was informed, if baseball in general knew. Well, you know, I, 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 the only thing I can say is 
that I, I've got to believe that he was aware of it. Based on what Kevin told me at Quantico when I first told him about it, yeah. he said, you know, we're kind of, we know that, you know, steroids are being used by some of these guys, but, you know, we, they don't want us to test uh, at that time. And of course, you know, they're going through the, the, uh, the strike and all that. And, but uh, like I say, I've got to believe that 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 information was transmitted to Bud Selig. I can't yeah. believe that it wasn't, but I have no way of knowing that for sure. Right, and just just baseball's track record with handling these kinds of things would tell you that they were informed, um, and it continues to this day with with Rob Manfred. Um, but you know that those that's ne- that's neither here nor there, I guess. Um, so, yeah. how did you feel? How did you feel when when you saw Bud Selig being inducted into baseball's Hall of Fame? I mean, did you do you feel like he deserved to 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 get the highest honor in baseball, or you know, what's your opinion in that? Well, you know, they uh, uh, you know the steroid era was probably in some ways was worse than anything that has happened in baseball to include when the Cubs threw the World Series. So. Mm. Uh, or I guess it was the White Sox through the World yeah, yeah. Series, but <laughs> something okay. like that. But uh, both in but Chicago, rate, uh, yeah. Uh, when when uh, so the steroid era, you know, is is going to have lasting effects forever because you know so much of baseball has to do with statistics and everything, and now everything's skewed. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody really knows. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of players that aren't going to get into the Hall of Fame because of their use of steroids. Mm. And and yet Bud Selig, who basically figured, you know, it's better to cover this stuff up. And, you know, they were putting a lot of people in the seats to see these guys hit all these home runs. Um, so, yeah, I have mixed emotions about it. Yeah. Um, I Obviously, my opinion doesn't mean much, but... Uh, I think, especially since Selig has never taken responsibility for, you know, hey, maybe we should have, you know, yeah. done more than we did. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's. I mean, with the biogenesis in, uh, situation, you know, it was out there. It was uncovered because of of this whistleblower in in Porter Fisher. And instead of taking ownership of it, baseball kind of took the same tack that they did with Barry Bonds, was was is which is to find a scapegoat. Um, and, and with biogenesis, it was Alex Rodriguez, although he's, he's by no means an innocent bystander, um, with, bio, with, uh, with Bud Selig, it was, it was Barry Bonds, you know, earlier, early on. And you had mentioned that you had brought this to the attention, uh, of major league baseball. And I, I guess, I guess whoever was in San Francisco and they didn't want to prosecute, but then later on ba- the Balco case became a huge, um, yeah. A huge story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why and is that? Again, well, because, you know, then it was, uh, you know, then the media had, uh, you know, the full attention and everybody now knew about steroids yeah. and they see an opportunity to, uh, to get a lot of media attention and everything else. And that's the only reason, you know, you go after somebody like, bonds i mean what you should be doing like i say on any of these cases is Mm -hmm. going after the dealers now 
if if you find out that players are are doing this, then yeah, they should be disciplined. But I'm not sure you go after them criminally. I mean, mm-hmm. we never we never prosecuted any users, and mm-hmm. just be just because a guy is a is a uh, you know a prominent uh, professional athlete doesn't mean he should be prosec- criminally prosecuted as a user. Mm-hmm in order to just get media attention, which to me is exactly what they were trying to do. Mm. Now, well. is it a, is it a better deterrent? Well, maybe you can argue that, but so would be if the guy gets disciplined and suspended like Rodriguez was. So, right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and Rodriguez was, was, uh, was also, he had to hand over information to the department, I guess the department of justice, because he was facing criminal charges as well. Um, right. That that whole situation was was just crazy. I would I would if you know, I would suggest watch that movie Screwball. It, it's a funny take on on the whole situation, well, but it the, does. The, you know the book the uh, uh, that. Uh, oh yeah, by by L. Frank Bloodsport. Yeah, L. Frank. I mean that's it. Reads like uh, you know one of Hyacinth's books. <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, uh, or Elmore Leonard, uh, exactly. You know, yeah, and kind of stuff. You know, a bunch of the gang that couldn't shoot straight or something. So, it, yeah, I mean, it was it, it was insane. And and um, the reason we wanted to have you on because because of your knowledge of of this and because of your involvement in Operation Equine. I mean, you were the you're the the creator of it. Um, and yeah, so is there anything else that we didn't cover here that that you feel should be we should talk about more? You know, as far, uh, I mean, the case, uh, you know, I could probably write a book. Maybe someday I will, if I don't die first. But, uh, I mean, it was, it, was, it was an interesting case. It was a unique case. And it's still the most successful um, story trafficking case uh, in history. I mean, uh, you could look at uh, Biogenesis and you can look at Belcor. But we, shut, we didn't only shut down one dealer. We shut down... Well, like I said, we prosecuted over 70 dealers, but, yeah. uh, and, and the amount of steroids that we seized and all of that. But, uh, so no, I think you've covered most of it, especially the major league, uh, baseball aspects of it. Mm. So, uh, I, I don't know that there's much I could add to that. Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys, if you, for those of you listening, you can find uh, Greg Stasekel's pieces, um, his columns, his articles on ticklethewire.com. Um, thank you so much for coming on our show. And uh, we hope you'll come again soon. I'm sure we're going to have more questions after this. Um, we love talking to you. Well, thanks, Manny. I, I've enjoyed it. And, you know, um, I, I, was a mediocre college athlete. My son was a, was a college athlete. And uh, one of the reasons I got involved in this case was because uh, of what Bo told me about high school athletes asking yeah. them when they should start doing steroids. And, yeah. you know, educating myself and being aware of what the damage that steroids can do and, mm-hmm. and growth hormone as well. Um, you know, I thought it was important that this, this issue should be addressed before it, you know, and uh, it's yeah. unfortunate that it got to the level that it did. But I feel like we uh, we at least made a dent, and uh, and I think it was something important that needed to be done. Yeah, and and I don't I don't want to speak for CT, but I, I think we share the same opinion in that it's not necessarily that we're full on against steroid use. 
it's 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 using it responsibly and it's using it you know through a medical physician if if needed um and the thing is when you abuse steroids illegally without a prescription without without a doctor's knowledge uh suicide rates are up among steroid users um you're messing with your body uh with your body's chemistry and it's just not good for you and and you hear a lot of um really heartbreaking stories of high school kids you know committing suicide and and yep. suffering from severe depression and and you know this operation was was really important and and thank you for doing that thank you for for taking that on and and thank you for your service and the FBI as well well, thanks. And, you know, I uh, just a comment that, you know, as I said early on, the reason we called the case equine was because a lot of the steroids of choice were stuff like Winstrel V and Equipoise, which are both veterinary drugs meant for horses. Jesus. And mm-hmm. I took, in fact, I think it was McGuire's regimen uh, that Wensloff gave to me, and I took it to a, a veterinarian, and the veterinarian looked at it, and he said, this is unbelievable. And I said, what do you mean? And he says, the amount of steroids that are being taken by whoever this is, he said, is more than we would give to a, to a racehorse. Oh and God. horses weigh 1,500 pounds. My and God. I said, wow. And the point being, uh, in order to get the, uh, the performance-enhancing effects of steroids, I mean, it's one thing to take small amounts to raise your testosterone but to get to get the performance enhancing results that you have to get you have to take huge amounts of steroids and then what happens is your body quit naturally making testosterone and when your body quits making it sometimes it'll start up again sometimes it won't and a lot of these guys that have abused steroids now have to take testosterone supplements because their body mm-hmm. no longer makes it and when your body isn't making testosterone then you go into depression yeah, yeah, that can right. cause suicide and a lot of other things. So, these are some of the aspects, you know, uh, that people, you know, maybe don't know up front. A lot right. of times, these athletes think, well, you know, I'm going to live forever, and uh, none of this stuff is, you know, this is there's only an upside. Mm-hmm. It's going to help me. No, not, not just that. that. Not just that. Think about that. We we CT and I spoke about this on our last episode. A player like Melky Cabrera is is a subpar baseball talent prior to his use of steroids. When he started taking perform, well, I shouldn't say steroids because I'm not sure exactly what he was taking. But when he started taking performance enhancing drugs, his performance escalated to a level that was unbelievable, and he got a multi million dollar contract out of it. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. The yeah. the incentive is there for these players to do it, and and well, and you if, know. You, if you don't if you don't enforce it, if you don't do testing, and you have to do things beyond testing, believe me, because yeah. uh, steroids are, are out of your system too often uh, in a very relatively short period of time. So testing by itself isn't enough. You've got to do more than that. But at any rate, um, the the fact of the matter is, if people see that guys are doing steroids and getting away with it. Then it puts pressure on everybody to do steroids. Right. And then exactly. it becomes a point where, okay, if I want to play at this level, I guess I'm going to have to do steroids. And that gets right. back to, to Bo's argument. So. Mm-hmm. And and that, that also touches on 
our conversation with Nick Francona. It's all it's all connected. That um, in international international players in the Dominican Republic and in Cuba and in Puerto Rico, um, some of these players um, feel the need to to use performance enhancers to get out of their situation. And and like I said before, we're seeing that once they reach the big league le- big league level they're almost incentivized to do it. They might get a slap in the hand, a 50-game punishment or whatever, but by that point, they already got their multi-year, multi-million dollar contract. They're set for life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know how we fix it. I think it's going to continue because, you know, you have doctors like Tony Bosch down in Miami, Florida, who's back in business, and he knows how to how to hide these, how to hide these things. Yep. And, um, and there are, like I say, the stuff can be out of your system relatively quickly. I think exactly. it, uh, you know, it, Within at least 72 hours, it's going to be out of your system. And these guys are cycling on and off, so if they time their cycles right and stuff, they won't get caught. And, again, that's why you have to do stuff, not only testing, which is sort of a uh, uh, reactive kind of thing. You've got to do proactive investigations and stuff. And that that was why they, you know, Major League Baseball was encouraged to set up an investigative group that was sort of independent to do these kind of mm-hmm. things and develop informants and, you know, uh, and you can do that. But, you know, it has to have the support of, you know, the commissioner and everything else. And I'm not sure mm-hmm. that's there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, Greg. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, and, you know, we'd love to have you on again and, and talk about this a little bit more. Um, thanks. Happy to do thanks, it. Greg. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you haven't done so already, please leave a review and a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcast. It helps listeners to find our show. Thank you to Greg for coming on the show. That was that was phenomenal. You provided us with a lot of information. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Peace.